Let's take God's word together again, please, and turn to the New Testament book of Luke, if you would. Can you hear me okay? I feel as if I can't hear myself very well. Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And this is an amazing portion of God's word, a part of his teaching. I have been challenged recently, really, especially last night at a meeting that I attended, of our need evermore, our need, an increasing need to be ready for the return of our Savior and to prepare others to be ready. Now, would you just look this way for a moment? Just stop what you're doing for a second. I want to do my very best to speak plainly, clearly, and simply this morning. The Lord Jesus is coming, and we must be ready. Do you know in every generation there have been professing believers who scoffed at other believers who made much of the return of Christ? In every generation there have been believers, God's children, who have warned and preached and testified that Jesus is coming again. And in that same, those same generations there have been other professing believers who have scoffed and laughed at them for the emphasis that they placed on the return of Christ. But you cannot read this book without reading over and over again that Jesus is coming again. And if you omit that from your theology, you have a false theology and a false doctrine. If you erase the second coming of Christ from your thinking, you, my friend, are deceived. You are deceived. If you can somehow live without thinking that Jesus is coming soon, then, my friend, you're in trouble. You are in trouble. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12, these are the words of Jesus. They're not the words of some smooth-talking preacher. These are the words of our Savior. He tells us, in verse number 36, 35 and 36 of Luke 12, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. We are to be like men who are waiting for our Lord. Two questions come to my mind as soon as I think and read that sentence. Number one, who is my Lord? And number two, am I waiting for him? We are to be, Jesus looked at his followers and said, you ought to be like men who wait for their Lord. So let me ask you, look here, who is your Lord? Who is your master? Because that will determine how you wait. And the way that you wait reveals who your master is. Many people are not looking for Jesus. Many people are not waiting for Christ. They're looking for a promotion, looking for a pay raise, looking for a new car. And therefore they prove that their Lord and their master is not Jesus Christ, but their Lord and their master is money. This is a chapter about life, about how we should be living now. This is instruction. 
This chapter is filled with instructions for your life today. Some people try to say, well, uh, that's for a different particular time. Uh, that's, but this is instruction for your life now. How to live now. And all of these instructions and commandments are given in light of Jesus Christ's return. Without that expectation that the Savior is coming, then we lose a lot of power and a lot of urgency about these things. I heard a man say recently it was a, a very encouraging. In light of the return of Christ, we'll either see his return when he comes for all of us or those who know him as Lord and Savior, or we will see his return when he comes to take us in death. But either way, he's coming. And one might happen today. You could breathe your final breath today. Are you ready for his return? Are you ready for when he comes for you? I wonder if you are. We must be like men waiting for our Lord's return. And there are four things I said to the children a moment ago, four things that help us to be ready. I'm going to give them to you. And if, if you big children can remember them as well, there may be a little gift for you also. The first thing Jesus tells us in our text, how can we be ready? Verse number 29, seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. How can we be ready for the Savior's return or for our death? Number one, seek. Here is a principle that needs to be caught and kept. Man is perpetually seeking. Man is always searching on a, on a never-ending treasure hunt. All of us. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19 and 20, you'll remember these words, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Treasure. Everybody wants treasure. We are innately treasure hunters. Gold, riches. By the way, Jesus warns of the deceitfulness of riches. Looking for, searching for power, authority, position, knowledge. Ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We're always searching, aren't we? Always looking. Always on the hunt. Seeking is not wrong in and of itself. But what we seek is the question. Can I ask you this morning, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? Trying to make a name for yourself? Trying to accomplish something so you leave a, le a legacy behind? Another interesting clue about all of this is found in verse 32, right after those, those verses where he, he mentions seeking three times. He says in verse 32, fear not little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Interesting, fear often drives our seeking. Fear motivates our treasure hunting. We're afraid not to have enough, and so we look for more. 
We're afraid to be seen as less than your friends or your neighbors. So we work a little bit harder to get a little bit more so that we don't look like an idiot. We're afraid of not having friends. We're afraid of missing out. And so oftentimes fear is linked with our seeking. But the opposite of fear is faith. In verse 28, Jesus says very clearly, if then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow's cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? If your faith is not what it ought to be, then fear overtakes you and then your seeking is misguided. Instead of seeking the kingdom of God, you're more concerned about material things because you're afraid which is the way the whole world responded to COVID-19. Afraid. Afraid of physical harm and physical health being lost. Afraid of their life being lost. And more concerned about physical material things, fearful of them, and they lost sight of what they were really seeking. If our faith is in the right place, our seeking would be in the right place. We'll look Soon we'll pick up where we left off in the armor of God, God, God willing, next week. And the next thing is the shield of faith. Jesus commands us, seek ye differently. It says, seek not what you will eat, what you will drink. Neither be ye of a doubtful mind. Don't live and worry. For all of these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth already. That you have need of these things, but rather seek ye. Can I just say for a moment, you need to be seeking differently than the world does. And one of the great problems of this, this century, one of the great problems of the church today is we have become so much like the world and all of our desires and all that we seek after. And because of that, because we are seeking like the world seeks, because we're searching and hunting after the things that the world does, we're missing out and we're not ready for the Savior's return. If we are to be men like unto men that wait for their Lord, we have got to seek differently. And this one principle will separate us from the large, ever-increasing realm of so-called Christendom. I like what he says, fear not little flock. The flock has always been little. Well, there's been a large number of so-called professing believers, but the flock of Christ has always been little. Fear not little flock, not big herd, because very few professing believers live seeking the kingdom. He says, seek ye the kingdom of God. Now, let me ask you this morning, are you searching Seeking the kingdom of God. You might say, well, I'm already in it. What do I need to search for? You remember how Jesus taught us to pray? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. There's really a twofold application in this thought. A seeking for his kingdom to grow one more soul at a time. And a seeking for our coming king. A looking for and pushing towards the day when our Savior shall come. A looking for our returning King. And a looking for the kingdom to expand. One more soul at a time. Are you seeking that? Are you seeking the betterment of His kingdom? The fulfillment of His kingdom? 
Are you seeking for his kingdom to grow? To grow deeper? Are you concerned about the church today? Woe unto you and I if we can sit at home and just curse all the churches today and just be happy to watch YouTube channels. There's a problem. If we can sit at home and have no concern about the body of Christ, we ought to be seeking the kingdom. And watching YouTube channels at home by yourself is not seeking the kingdom. Here's your first way to be ready. I'd hate to be sat on my computer chair watching YouTube when Jesus came back. I'm ready for you, Lord. I've been watching. I'm all up to date and ready to roll. That's not seeking the kingdom. Seek. Seek the kingdom. Matthew tells us a similar thing in Matthew chapter 6. I read it a moment ago. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Are you seeking in that way? You seeking his righteousness? Talked about the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus said at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. That's the fourth beatitude. The eighth one. Blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness sake. Are you seeking after righteousness? Are you seeking to live and follow in the footsteps of our dear Savior? Living consciously in the righteousness of God? Understanding that it may even cause persecution. Seek. Then Jesus says something else in our text back in Luke chapter 12. Something that nobody really likes to read. And sometimes we read over it a little bit quickly because it sounds better if you read it fast. After he speaks about seeking. He says, uh, let's go to verse 32. Fear not little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let me stop for a second. I love that verse. Fear not, little flock, it is your father's good pl- God's not trying to hold back anything from the kingdom from you. He, he delights, it's his good pleasure to give it. But then he says in the very next verse, sell that ye have. Almost making a distinction between his kingdom and this kingdom. Now there are some people who get on the television and say, See there, look, verse 32, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants you to be rich and wealthy and healthy and, and he wants you to have all those things. In the very next verse, Jesus says, sell everything you got. Some of those preachers and teachers are going to find themselves in trouble. Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief approacheth. Neither moth corrupteth, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Here's your second thing, second way to be ready. First one, seek. Second one, sell. Now, I'm not saying go home and get on Facebook Marketplace and sell everything you have. I'm not saying that, but here's what Jesus is saying. You be sure that all that you have is not keeping you distracting you from being ready for the Savior's return. You be careful. Another principle in preparing for His coming. We live in a saving age. What I mean by that is an age that where everybody wants to save a storehouse mentality. That's the age we live in. We want to have a fat bank account, maybe two or three savings accounts and one there and one over there. We have stocks there and 
and maybe you can invest in Bitcoin and all sorts of other things. And boy, let's get in, get our, our tentacles in all of these things. We live in a saving storehouse in environment and society and generation. We're instructed to live differently. We're instructed to live differently. We're told that wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There's been a few times when I've tried to, I thought I was coming up with a pretty good plan on, I bought that car and sold it for a little bit more, have a little bit of extra money. Done that a couple, only a couple of times. I learned my lesson, I think after number two, when I didn't earn any money, I lost money. I learned my lesson that those things very quickly can take your mind and your heart away from the things of God. Very quickly. When your mind is bent on buying and saving and storing and building up treasures on earth, it naturally takes your mind and your heart away from thinking about the coming of the Savior. Can't help. You cannot. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's what Jesus said from his lips. And the warning is very, very clear. Wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your treasure will either be here or there. And we're instructed to store up treasures, not on earth, but in heaven. Interesting, it gives three words there. Sell, give, provide. Sell what you have. Give alms, provide yourselves bags. It's interesting. Uh, sometimes we people think the more money I have, the more I can give, but it never works that way. It's usually the more money you have, the less you want to give. If I could just get a little bit more money, then I can help more people. I've rarely ever seen it. Rarely. Every once in a while, God blesses somebody with riches that they use for the kingdom. But oftentimes, when people get a little bit of extra money, it's not what can they do to bless somebody else. It's what else can I get? And the Lord Jesus warns us over and over about the deceitfulness of riches. But here, if you want to be ready for the coming of Christ, you want nothing that will hold you down. Nothing that will distract you. I remind you, you've heard me say it before, but when I was at seminary, the first year I went to Bible college, a friend of mine had a big plan on starting a business and he wanted me to get involved with him. He wanted to start a lawn care business. He was a young Bible college student and he said, look, you give $5,000 and I'll give $5,000 because you got to spend money to make money. You've heard that before. And I said to him, I don't have $5. No problem. I don't either. He said, but let's get a loan. You get a loan for $5,000. i will get a loan for $5,000. And then we can buy the equipment that we need. And before you know it, we'll have a business up and running. And that business will support us while we go and do the Lord's work. I prayed about it and just didn't feel comfortable with it. He was very upset with me, but he went on anyways to loan, borrow the money and started himself a lawn care business. His plan was start that business. And during the four years at Bible college, by the time he was finished with Bible college, it could be up and running, self-sustaining. He could leave that business in the, in the, in the hands of some very careful business minded man. He could go off to the mission field, Ethiopia. That's where he believed God would have him. And that would support him. But he's still today. Still today, almost 20 years later, still today, 
mowing grass in Tennessee. 18 years later, still cutting grass. His business is extremely successful. He's bought himself, he's on his third house. Bigger house, each one bigger than the last. New cars, better, bigger, better equipment, holidays, left, right, and center. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having a big house and nice cars and holidays, but I am saying if those things become the object of living, your desire, you are not ready. You're not ready. Jesus warns us. Sell. Give. Provide bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not. You know, I, my wife and I have agreed on this a couple of times. The happiest times in our lives have been the times we had the least. Those are the happiest times. When we had to pray in order to pay the light bill. When we had to pray in order to have some food. Those were the happiest times of our lives. Sometimes I, the Lord gives a little bit of extra money and it makes me nervous. I want to get it, give it away quickly, get it out of my hands. I'm afraid that it'll enslave me. I'm afraid that it'll distract me. And Jesus speaks clearly about this. We're going to be ready for his return. We've got to be seeking properly. Sell. Do not let these things burden you down. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be. Here's the third one. Verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Third one. Shine. Shine. You want to be ready for the coming of Jesus let your light so shine before men. The majority of Christians are not ready for Jesus to come because they're ashamed of him. How could you imagine that you're ready for Jesus to come when you're not willing to talk about him in front of lost people? You're not ready. You're lying to yourself. How could you possibly think you're ready when you're ashamed to be called a Christian? When you're afraid to pray in public over a meal? When you hide your Bible, when you're walking through the streets because you don't want people thinking you're weird. You're ashamed. You're not ready. Can you imagine if Jesus Christ came back when you had your Bible hidden somewhere? Can you imagine? Jesus says in verse 35, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. Two thoughts. Loins girded about. We looked at the armor of God. That means you're ready. You're dressed. You're dressed. You're clothed. When Jesus comes back, he's going to find a lot of naked Christians. What I mean by that, you're not ready. You're in your bedclothes. You're in your pajamas. You're sleeping, dreaming, living in a fantasy world. In your nice silk pajamas, in your big comfortable California king-size bed, in your big screen television. Not ready. Sleeping. Jesus said very plainly and very clearly, let your loins be girded about, be dressed, always ready. Always ready. Go to bed with your clothes on. I knew a man who used to always, always wear socks to bed and shoes at the foot of the bed. Never would wear pajamas, but always, always wore clothes. Sometimes blue jeans to bed. 
Whatever are you dressed like that for? You never know who's going to come in the middle of the night. Well, that's a good principle. I remember my mother used to always say, make sure you have clean clothes on when you leave the house because you may get into an automobile accident and you want to make sure you have clean clothes on if you're caught in an automobile accident. You ever have your mother say something like that? Now, the thought behind that's right. Be ready. You don't know what's going to happen. Now, I'm not talking physically wearing your clothes to bed, but I'm talking spiritually be dressed. Don't ever put on spiritual pajamas. Never let your loins be girded about. Don't be caught unprepared. And let your lights be burning. There ought to be every house on the road ought to be pitch black at one o'clock in the night except for yours. Ought to be shining brightly, spiritually speaking. 24-7. Light shining. Never a time when you cover up your light. Never a time when you hide. Never a time when you're ashamed. Always shining brightly. And ye yourselves liken to men that wait for the Lord. Now watch this. When he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. But the majority of us are sleeping in the bed thinking that we'll hear his knock. That'll wake us up, splash water on our face, and we'll act like we've been awake waiting for him. It's never going to work. It's never going to work. You ever, you ever done that before with some, when you're waiting for somebody? Thought, I'll, just, I'll just have a little bit of a kip. I'll lie down for a minute, and uh, out their knock will wake me up, or the knock at the door will wake me, or the telephone buzz or call. That will awake me, and then, uh, then, I'll, then I'll be able to wake up. You can't do that spiritually. You can't rest and take a break. And think that you're going to hear that trumpet's going to wake you up. That that cry at midnight would wake you up from your slumber. You can trim your lamps and then be ready to roll. Jesus said, keep them burning all the time. So that when he does come, you can open the door after one knock. The Lord Jesus shouldn't have to come when he comes back. He won't. But when he comes back again, he shouldn't have to stand at your door for 10 minutes and knock just to wake you up. He's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. So we must be waiting, the light shining very plainly, very clearly, so that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Do you have that kind of a sensitivity to Christ and an immediate reaction and response to him? He says in the next verse, blessed are those, look at the next word, servants. There's your fourth one, serve. You want to be ready for his return? Serve. Servants, serve. That's why they're called servants. Are you serving your master? Are you serving your Lord? Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. I've never understood that verse, but we will one day. I've never understood how the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, I've never understood that principle that he will serve us. But I know one thing is certain. One thing is certain. Do you think he's going to dine with you? Do you think that he's going to sit with you when you've done nothing to serve him? When you've not served him? Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh. You see, the little flock is made up of servants. Fear not, little flock. 
If you're not serving Christ, I would seriously doubt that you're a part of his little flock. When those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching, verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken through. Be ye therefore ready also. For the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. Now can I just say, would you look here? I'm going to close. Would you look here? Today, if you have never been born again, what that means simply is that you've been changed. You're a new man, a new, new person. Then you're not ready for Christ's return. If you've never been regenerated, made new, then you're not ready for him to come. And that's the first thing that needs to happen. You must be born again. You need to be saved. If you have been saved, are you seeking the right things? Sell. If there's something in your life materialistically that is hindering you, that is absorbing your thinking, get rid of it. Get rid of it. We are living in a materialistic world and society and Satan has lassoed a number of believers into that way of thinking so that we are useless, rendered useless to the kingdom because we're so preoccupied with money and things. Shine. Get out there and let your light so shine before men and serve. Do you know, part of serving, we, we use it in restaurant terminology, is waiting on. Waiting. I don't know what I can do. You know, the, this person... Or they do that and I can't really preach or teach and I'm not a very good cook or a chef like, like Lake Kim is, so I don't really know. What can I do? So, wait. Wait. Watching. He'll tell you. You get that picture of a waiter with a towel over his arm, waiting, uh, watching, watching the customer, waiting to see if their glass goes empty of water, fill it up. If they drop their fork on the floor, bring them a clean one. You want to know how to serve, then watch the master. Watch the Lord. He'll show you. He'll give you plenty of, there are many opportunities. May the Lord help us to be ready. I want to do my best to encourage and warn and sound the shout at midnight that Jesus Christ is coming. I want to be ready and I want you to be ready. I do not want this church to be a sleeping church. I want us to be ready. Let's pray together, then we'll sing our final hymn. Father, we thank Thee for the words of our Savior. We ask that Thy Spirit would take His words and show us where we are failing, that we may adjust and be more ready, more prepared, we pray, Father, that we might be those who are seeking thy kingdom, thy righteousness. May we be those who are willing to pluck out the eye if it offends us. Cut off the hand if it offends us. Whatever is keeping us, distracting us from living, serving thee. Help us to shine, Lord. 
forgive us for the days that we have been ashamed of Thee. Forgive us for the times that we have been embarrassed to be identified as a Christian. Have mercy, Lord. Help us to serve Thee. To be ever watching and waiting. I pray, Father, that we might be ever ready. We pray that this church may be spiritually awake and alert, prepared and preparing others for the things that lie ahead. Oh, Father, help us to cut ties with the world. Help us to be sickened by the world. May the world cause us to be nauseous. May we hate it, the things that are in it, and instead give us a deeper love for thee and for thy people. Apply these words and truths to our hearts, for we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.